It's my privilege and honor to introduce my mentor, our former pastor, Dr. Reverend Ralph May, to bring the word. Ralph, God bless you and be praying for you. What a blessed thought. Jesus loved me, this I know. Because his word tells me so. Zion, I could never tell you this side of glory what you mean to Sandra and I. Thank you for your love and your patience with us through the years. But today I want to thank you for your help in these latter days. I'm grateful just to be able to stand here today, much less come and try to share a word with you that will help us along this life way. So I come today to tell you that I'm going to show you where you're rich beyond your wildest dreams. You don't know how rich you are. But hopefully I'll help you find part of that today, if not all of it. And if you don't have that yet, how you can require that, acquire that. I want you to turn today in our scriptures to Psalm 19. We'll begin reading at verse 7. First of all, I need to ask you this question. Do you have any idea what the most valuable earthly asset is that you have? Some people say stocks and bonds, others jewelry, estates, collections of things. It could be many, many things, thousands of things. But what really is the most valuable thing on the face of this earth we possess? I'll help you to answer that and to find out how rich we are. In Psalms 19, verse 7, said, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is pure or sure, making wise or simple. Don't lose that little word simple here. It'll come up later <laughs> in the story. Okay. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. We'll stop there for now. And I'll share this with you. Second, 1 Corinthians 11, 14, Paul tells us that nature teaches us how God put all, everything together. But let me tell you something, Paul's nature will not teach us. It will not teach us where we came from. And I'm here to tell you today that Darwin's theory of the evolution of the species is just that, a theory. But let me tell you what they won't tell you, that now they require that to be taught in school but won't teach creation in school. What they don't discover about Darwin is the last several months of his life, he had someone read the scripture and pray for him every day and he said it was it's a mistake. And he accepted Christ as his Savior and, and prayed for that end every day. 
They won't let you teach that in the school, but that's how it ended. Okay. So let me tell our young people especially, you didn't come from monkeys. Okay. You had a divine creator. His name is Jehovah God, and his son is Jesus Christ. What a blessed thought. Jesus loved me, this I know, because this book tells me so. Okay. How would we know how to relate to one another and live peacefully in an integrated society if we didn't have some rules and regulations and precepts to guide us? We would know whether we had violated something that shouldn't be done at all if we didn't have a law to tell us about it. We wouldn't understand human relationships if we didn't have some way to perceive them. You think about it all together and all the things that Psalm 19 lists have a reference to this book. Okay. So I want to suggest to you this morning that all the things you may treasure on the face of this earth, their most valuable asset you have is between the covers of this book. Because it's by this and by this alone we can know there is a God. And know how to know him. To know what he requires of us and know what we can expect from him. We can know that we have a life after this one is over because the book tells us so and nature will never teach you that. Animals don't think. They just respond to the way they're geared genetically. We're the only thing God created that he gave a choice and an option about anything. And we would never know that if all we had was nature to teach us. I grew up with a hard, hard master for my father, earthly father. What a radical difference is in my heavenly father. I know my father would have, if necessary, given his life for me, I'm sure. He was never put to that test. But my Savior was. And he came willingly. He said, he, in fact, that's the only thing he came for. We would never know that apart from this book. Okay. Want to know how valuable this gospel is to each of us? It is the doorway and the only doorway to have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and to know what it means to us to become his child and the inheritor of eternal life. No, nothing in nature will teach that. So let's look at these a minute. The first one is the law. In Hebrew, it's called the Torah. It's referring to there the five books of Moses, but the law totally is summed up in 10 of those that we know as the commandments in the book of Exodus. God gave us 10 laws to live by. And the Hebrews enacted 3,000 more to explain it. Sound like it came out of Washington. Well, here's what the Torah does. It gave the Hebrews their order of worship, the holy days, the sacrifices, the celebrations they're supposed to have, and so on. Without the law of God, they would never have known how to respond to him living under the law. And we come along the pagan part of humanity at that era and time and only the Hebrews had a copy of the word of God and no one had one individually they were in the temple and in the temple alone or in the synagogue rolled up in scrolls and tied with leather straps and on occasion for the reading as each celebration came they brought that Torah out of star 
storage and someone read it. And that's the only exposure that they had to the Word of God. Little wonder they stumbled a lot. They did not have a map to guide them as we do. But when we move to the New Testament, Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy that law. I came to fill it up till its fullest. I bring it to its finish, its perfection. I came to make the law live. And he gave us the living word in the New Testament. Then there's a testimony. Do you have one? (laughs) And do you share it? It's really not a testimony until you give it away. It is a violation. It is a violation of the precept of God not to share your testimony if you have one. And you can only have one if you know him personally and he lives in your heart through the Spirit of God. You have no testimony apart from that. Testimony is a witness. If we're called because to trial because we've seen something, observed something, or experienced something, we're expected to tell the truth, nothing but the truth. And we can't be a witness to a truth we have not experienced, I have not seen. Okay. Statute is a mandate. It is similar to commandment in this, that God has mandated, predetermined, and given prior order that this is to be done this way. Okay. The mandate couched in John 3.16 is, whosoever believeth in me shall not perish and have everlasting life. The mandate is Jesus Christ is the truth, the way, and the life. And apart from him, there is none. So when I give a witness, I'm witnessing to the truth of the word of God that there is a Jesus. I know him because he lives in me and I share him every day. I want to take you back to a word that the word blessed means. It means to be tabernacled together with God. There are two people that live in here. Once you come to know him as Savior and Lord, it's the one that you were born with. It's the spirit of nature you were born with. But when you accept Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit moves in. There's two people in this tent of class now. And I'm not the head of this household anymore. He is. Okay. And when he becomes the testimony and the household of your house, you'll have one to share, and you'll share it. And if you don't share it, you need to check up a little bit. You stumble somewhere in obedience to his word. The commandment is a direct order. Okay? The direct order is you do this or else. If you read them carefully, every commandment has what is happening to you if you do not do it. Okay? Remember what the first one of those is? You shall have no other gods before me real or imagined, statues, anything else. Nothing should be higher in our life than the Lord Jesus Christ. Ought to come above family, country, everything else, and all of those are commendable. But he he has to be first. And free. Or fear, I'm sorry, fear. Some people are terrified of God and have a reason to be. When I was a kid growing up, my mother was a Nazarene denomination. And there wasn't one of those in our community, so she took us to a Pentecostal church, old line Pentecostal church. And it scared the daylights out of me as a child. 
Some of you may have had a like experience, but in my early years like that, God to me was this big creature sitting on the rim of the earth, and every time I did something wrong, he'd gonna knock my head off. I grew up with that. The pastor in the pulpit, my mother at home, my grandmother, and if they didn't make it to glory, I'll just quit now. None of them ever told me God loved me. Imagine my surprise when I found out he did. My mother died when I was 13 years old, and that was the only tender place in my life. And, and I became very angry at God because I, he took my mother from me, and I hated it. And if you said anything to me about the Bible or God, I'd just about cuss you out. But I came to a point in my life where suicide became, began to look real attractive. And then I remembered what my mother and my grandmother had told me. And I began to try to find my way back to what I'd been taught as a child. I found it very difficult to do it on my own. I called a friend of mine who was a deacon in a little country church in Buncombe County. He came and sat and talked to me for a couple of hours, and we prayed together. I knew that prayer didn't get out of the room I was in. But I knew what he had to say was the truth. I'd heard it before. So the following Wednesday night, I did something that's contrary to my nature altogether. Sandra and I went to church on a Wednesday night. Tell you what the man preached on. He was hadn't been preaching two or three weeks and used atrocious English, which irritated me. I didn't care. Wouldn't want to came for. On a Wednesday night, a little Mountain Baptist church that never gives invitation on Wednesday night. I didn't wait for one. My burden was too heavy because my life was at stake, and I ran down an aisle and. Told my knees in the altar. When I got up, there was an overwhelming sense of peace that's indescribable. It all went away. All the torment inside, all of that unrest, all that hunger and starving not knowing what it was all about, suddenly God satisfied all of it in an instant. And that peace has never left. I still don't understand it. I just love it. But since that time, I've learned that God's not a terror on the rim of the earth that's trying to take my head off. He's my father that loves me dearly. And I could just break out laughing if you looked at me for the first two weeks because I'd found what I'd been looking for all my life. So now my fear has changed, changed to a holy awe of God. The wonder of who he is, what he's done for me, has made me rich above anything this world's got to offer. And the judgment judgment will declare a verdict of guilt or innocent. 
We are one or the other when we stand there. Thankfully, we have passed, those of you who have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, have passed the judgment of death. That can't happen. You're a living being, living in the Lord Jesus Christ. That word death doesn't mean this physical body is going to collapse, but it's the separation between us and God. That's the death. You will never suffer. Now, folks, I tell you, you can be a multi-billionaire and have enough money to burn three wet mules at one time and not have enough to avoid the separation between you and God. But I can be an absolute pauper in this world's goods as the beggar at the gate was and the rich man in Lazarus. I can be destitute to the point only thing I have to comfort me is the ta- tongues of rank, raving dogs and still be rich beyond measure. Because the next time you see him, he's in the bosom of Abraham being comforted by the angels. And the man that could abide everything is in hell looking up to where that man is being comforted. Hallelujah to the Lamb. The judgment is truth and life separated. And the difference is life. Listen to the words. Perfect in describing the word of God. Converting of the soul. You wouldn't know who God is, who his son is. You wouldn't know how to accept him. You wouldn't know what to do to be saved apart from the word of God. So it is, and the Bible itself says, we are begotten by the preaching of the word or we are not begotten at all. I love good music, love good singing, love good fellowship. But if we're redeemed, we're redeemed by this word and nothing else. Sure, making simple the wise. Well, I love that. You and I, with life experience, are past the point of being simple. They're not. Those who have some kind of learning disorder or not. Those who have never been exposed to the gospel or not. But it makes them wise. Let me give you an illustration of the Bible. Jesus was in Jerusalem for the Passover. And he walked into the temple grounds and there were money traders and animal sellers all in the temple grounds. And he, in godly, righteous anger, threw them out. He said, this is a place of prayer, and you've made it again of thieves. So when came time for the annual offering, the rich people came from all over the world, at least 16 nations gathered there we know of. As one by one, the wealthy walked through, and they didn't even put their hands on it. The servants would take a little box or a chest, gilded usually, <laughs> some kind of precious metal and gems, open it up and pour it in and say, my Lord so-and-so gives this and this. And there was a little lady in tattered garments. So humble in that place that she wouldn't lift her head. But she walked by and almost blindly 
dropped in two of the most worthless coins ever, ever minted in the history of man, two mice. Jesus was standing in the shadow watching all of it. And he stopped the parade of affluence and said, wait a minute. I want you all to know something. She just gave more than all of you. Because she gave her living. She didn't know much in her simplicity, but she knew God. And it's right, rejoicing the heart. <laughs> Absolutely, I can testify to that every day. It makes the heart happy when all around us may be going the wrong way. Pure, enlightening the eyes. That has a several applications, but let me, let me just share two of them with you. Enlightening the eyes takes away the darkness of our spiritual vision and allows us to see the truth of God. But it also, if we are let God lead us and guide us and we're obedient to his command, blinds our eyes to the enticements that will lead us away from him. That's the enlightening that matters the most. It takes away the curtains of darkness, lets us see the truth of God, and then it shadows us from seeing those things that will turn us aside. I'm not talking about they're going to be in your vision, but they don't have to be in your heart. And it's clean, enduring forever. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word shall never pass away, Jesus said. Yes. True is completely righteous. It it it, it defeats the right the, defeats the presumption of sin. The arrogance and pride against God and against God's law. It is the remedy for the great transgression. The great transgression is this to break away willfully, deliberately, against the word and the authority of God. Now, let's go back and look at two verses. They are more to be desired of they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also in honey and the honeycomb. When the Bible talks about fine gold, that's what the streets of the new city are made out of. <laughs> Think about that. If you have these things in your heart and they guide your life, your wealth is beyond measure. It's like pure gold. And when we are obedient out of a heart of love, his word to us is as sweet as honey in a honeycomb. Even when it chastises us for something we should not have done. My dad, as I said earlier, was a hard taskmaster. And I, I mother gave me a whipping. Daddy gave me a whooping. Okay. You understand the difference, some of you. Okay. Some of you need to understand it that way. <laughs> But the thing about it was, when he chastised me or corrected me, 
when the tears had subsided and uncalmed down. You know where I wanted to be more than anywhere else? Sitting in daddy's lap with his arm around me. Same way, Father. I don't know anywhere else. When I've done wrong, he's chastised me. And I know he loved me because he did so. He's forgiven me. The only place I'm going to be is in his presence. Here's something I can't describe for you because I don't know what the extent of it is. But in verse 11, he said, Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in the keeping of them there is great reward. I can't tell you what the great reward is except eternal life. I have no way to describe it beyond that. Paul might have went a little further in saying, I have not seen, ear hath not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man what God has preparing for those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. We don't know, folks. I'll tell you this. It's better than anything this world got. Ever had, ever will have. Because there'll be no need for presidents and senators and representatives and congressmen and aldermen and mayors. There'd be no need for a police force. There'd be no prisons there. There'd be no hospitals there. There'd be no clinics there. There'd be no addicts there unless you're just addicted on the Holy Spirit. And there'll be no poverty there. Because the Bible says we are joint heirs with him. We don't know what he all he owns yet. With this I do know, modern astronomy has allowed us to see things with these modern telescope, periscopes that we never dreamed it existed. They have discovered there are 250 billion stars in our galaxy, just in the galaxy of our solar system. But there are 250 billion galaxies. Now he owns all of that. I don't know what portion of it you're going to get, but I'm going to have a child share. <laughs> Could I do this one thing this morning? Could I persuade you to really look at life, what you have in this world and what you expect of the next, and ask you, do you have a testimony? You go around bragging on God? When I'm able... I go to the Ford dealership five days a week, hang around up there and drive cars or run for errands for them. There's not a day passes I don't get a chance to witness to somebody about my Lord. I carry on some kind of ministry at that store every day I'm there. There's nothing that comes up that you don't have an answer to if you know this book. I got one final question for you. How much of it do you know? I don't mean how much of it can you read. How much of it do you know? Until you do what he says, write it upon the tables of your heart, you don't know it. You don't know it. I'm, I'm all for devotions. I think it's, it's a Christian thing to do. But I'd rather you read one verse for 30 days till you understand it and can apply it as to read the whole chapter or whole book in a week until you got it in here and in here you don't know it you just don't know it here's my recommendation to you this morning
make a life investment, eternal life investment in the one who can make you rich above your wildest dreams. How do I do that? Like the rest of us. You come, confess to God that you are a sinner, lost without him, and he's your only hope. If he will receive you and forgive you of your sins and accept you, you'll live for him the rest of your life. That's how you do it. You put that in whatever word you want to put it in. But it's the transition in the transaction in the heart and mind that makes the difference. I can remember well when I didn't know him. And I can remember more after I do know him. And if it ended at the grave and there was no eternity and you could just throw me out beside the road and let me rot like a dead dog, I'd still serve him today for the difference he's made in my life and present in this world. Because he's taught me how to live. How to live with others and be reconciled in our difference. What a difference this book makes. Treasure it. Don't just read it. Learn it. Study it. So that we can do what Jesus said to the apostles. When you stand in that day, don't worry about what you've got to say. I'll fill your mouth with the words they need to hear if you know the book. Okay. So I want to invite you to something this morning. I want to invite you to know him as your Savior and Lord. Someone will be here to greet you if you come. You won't be alone. And there will be others to pray with you. But I also want to encourage you this. Don't let the fear that you might be embarrassed about what someone else may say. I'd rather be embarrassed for an hour, a month, a year, 10 years here, as to be embarrassed when I stand before him. So when we stand and sing, I want to ask you to come. Someone will meet you here and pray with you to accept the Lord as your Savior. If you're here today and God's led you to unite with this church, you come and you'll be received into fellowship. I bless you in God's name today and thank you for having me. Let's stand and you come with your decision. One thing I forgot to tell you, when I was a boy growing up, when I did something I knew Daddy didn't approve of, I wanted to avoid him because I didn't want to face the consequences. Have you done something? that you don't want to get him in the Father's presence about. Let me tell you, there's forgiveness in him. Amen. And there's cleansing with him. And there's life in him. So don't let it hinder your growth. Don't let it keep you from this book and doing what it says. Don't keep it from getting you to know him on a deeper and deeper and deeper relationship the rest of these days. He forgives us and loves us as children. Will you come? Thank you, Pastor Ralph, for the word. Uh, it's blessed my heart. I know it's blessed y'all's heart today. And uh, I just want to say love you and appreciate you. For every heart that's been touched here today, it'll change lives. Treasure that book. Treasure that word. That's the most important thing we've got in our life. Jesus. Let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Father God, thank you for this day. Thank you for the word that we've heard today from you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your man that you sent to him. Lord, to tell us what we need to do. 
Lord, I pray that we can just lift your name up on high as we go forth today and worship and to praise you and everything we say and do. We'll give you all glory and honor today in the things we do in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.